This is To Catch a Con Man, Season 2, in The Victim's Voices. I will take you on another fascinating journey, but this time you will hear from other men and women that, like me, have fallen prey to the various cons, scams, and deceits by one of the most prolific and successful con artists to live and operate in the Midwest. You know him as Ricky Dugo. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. Thank you for continuing to listen to To Catch a Con Man in the victim's voices. This next victim comes to us from California, a man that has never met Ricky Dugo in person, yet an opportunity to buy a dream home for him and his wife in Chicago opened up, and a decision to rent out the house was made. The credit application looks promising, and a two-year rental contract is signed. Unbeknownst to Faraz, the people living in his house are not Jeff Klein, nor his family. Here we go. Let's hear from my good friend, Faraz. So it's uh, Tuesday, October 24th. Uh, we're talking to Faraz, who is the homeowner of uh, 1674 Lock Lane, uh, the Vernon Hills, Greg's Landing House, that Ricky Dugo was living in at the time that he pitched me uh, my scam. Um, so, um, Faraz, thanks for joining. Um, I do appreciate your time. Specifically, throughout this entire process, I wanted to just make sure that you knew how important our relationship has been to me. You've always given me really positive feedback and encouragement. And then you've also provided me with insane details uh, that's really helped me build this case. Um, and, and, and it's stuff that I still use today, uh, and it's all part of my Dugo file. So I, I did want to give you that shout out. Just first and foremost, you know, just man to man, um, I do uh, appreciate and um, I love how our conversations have turned into a friendship, you know. Um, so, um, you know, basically... Um, I'd like you to go into um, how you know Ricky Dugo. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, first, before I get onto that, I just want to say thanks again for having me on. Um, you know, I, I, I echo a lot of the things that you said. Uh, it's been really uh, an honor to get to know you and watch all of this unfold. You know, you've taken something 
from nothing to to something that we have today um and it's it's something i i wouldn't have been able to do and i'm glad that like at least i was able to be a, at least somewhat of a part of it um you know you will always have 100% of my support um so to get started i guess um maybe we can go back into 2016 is where it started i think for all for for me and my wife um we were kind of having a little bit of a rough patch in uh in our lives uh we we were, were from the San Francisco Bay area and we were going through some like you know major family problems my parents were in the midst of a very ugly divorce um and there were like other things going on and we thought that maybe you know we should try somewhere else that we kind of wanted to leave the bay area um and some of the bad memories here so um my wife has a lot of family in the chicago area um specifically on gurney and skokie to long grove um and so we were looking to uh move over there and we fell in love with this house 1674 north block lane in vernon hills um we bought it and uh we actually weren't ready to move just yet so we ended up renting it we thought we'd rent it out um for a little while until we were ready to move and um you know being from california we actually left chicago and we weren't able to uh put the house on the market and so i told my realtors to do that for me um they would uh advertise the house and you know people would come see it and then they would send me the applications and you know what we we received a few applications but the best one that we received was from a man named Jeff Klein and you know he had um a bunch of information on his application and you know everything looked for the most part okay um it wasn't perfect it wasn't ideal but you know we we needed to start a rental process so um we we went with Jeff Klein and everything was fine um you know for the first month right like uh in order to get the property um we requested uh the first month's rent and security deposit So, you know, there's I think the rent was like something like 3950 or something like that. So, it was almost um, you know, $8,000 that we had um uh coming in. Um and that was paid, everything checked out. Um, you know, the realtor handed over the keys uh and I mean, like, you know, going back in time now, uh I kind of realized some of my mistakes here that I wasn't there myself to do this, but it is what it is. um anyway so yeah for the first month it was all fine uh we had the first month's rent and the uh security deposit and i think we also even maybe had the last month's rent i can't remember anymore right now but we had we had a good amount of money in the beginning um so when the second month comes around all sorts of weird excuses start coming and um you know jeff would call me and now i know it wasn't jeff it was actually rick but uh he would call me saying that you know i have uh this job going on at my job site and uh i can't make it to the bank or uh some issue happened at the job site that um i need that needs my attention and you know this and that all sorts of crazy excuses um and Rick was actually assuming the persona of Jeff Klein calling me as if he were Jeff i think in a previous episode of the podcast uh I think when you played one of those um voicemails 
and um, you know you can hear how he is um, pretending to be Jeff, um, saying that I have this issue and that issue, and I heard pretty much every single excuse underneath the sun. Um, and you know, after a while, you start getting a little confused and suspicious, like, what the heck is this? Like, I mean, how can how can a grown man not really have his life together? Like, so like, how can you have such uh, chaos in your life that you can't take care of the basics right like i mean i would ask him like okay you have three kids so who's taking care of the kids if you're always at the job site and he would say that you know oh yeah my, my sister shannon shannon is actually rick's wife as uh, probably everybody knows but he would pl- pass her off as uh his sister there were other signs that something was not right because um you know i i would get uh certain bills um, and the the name of the the people that those bills were in was like um, you know Shannon for example. So uh, yeah, he he would he would make all sorts of weird excuses, and I think we got to about two months where he hadn't paid rent, and it was just so odd because um, on the phone, you know, he was very convincing that you know he he appeared as if he's going to. Uh, make everything right and give me a timeline, a payment plan and all this stuff. And then, you know, when those dates would come around, there's no money. Um, and all the while, we, me and my wife, are paying the uh, mortgage at this property. We're paying our own rent in California. And, you know, I was also helping my family with some other stuff financially. So we were getting stretched real thin. I mean, it was, it was to be... For lack of a better term, it was bad. Um, so anyway, we, uh, we ended up contacting a real estate attorney uh, to talk about options, you know, and he mentioned that you can send a, a letter, you know, certified mail, and saying that, you know, pay or quit. And I sent this letter to him uh, with the language that is required in Illinois. Uh, and as soon as he receives this letter, it's so it's so interesting because as soon as he receives this letter, um, three months of rent is paid immediately, you know, and and so I was like, okay, um, but you know, this is this is kind of my foolishness. Um, he was very convincing. He's very suave and very uh, uh, like a, a good talker. That he convinced me to allow him to stay. Like, okay, now we're good. Look, I had an issue at my office. I had some financial. Uh, things while I'm moving my business from Trenton, Illinois, where Jeff Klein lives, uh, to Chicago. Things have been crazy, but here's the rent. I'm sorry. And uh, I thought that, you know, okay, it, it's, I guess some, some things happen sometimes and uh, we'll be good from here. You know, my, my, my own father is in construction. And so growing up, I've seen how crazy that um, industry is. And uh, I don't know if Rick knew that or how did he uh, know to hit that kind of like weak point in me. Um, I have no idea if that's just a coincidence, but it's, it was like uncanny that he was bringing up memories of like my childhood and I've seen my father struggling and, um, you know, I, I kind of just let it pass. It's okay. You know, I understand things happen in this industry and, um, you know, we, we started again. But then again, you know, as anybody, uh, who has any experience with this guy, uh, the, excuse, the excuses start again. And 
uh, it's just, you know, it's getting more and more fantastic. You know, like um, I'm hearing things like my cousin was uh, in a car accident and I'm in the hospital right now. And, um, you know, like just random crazy excuses that, you know, my job site uh, froze over. So we have these fans to uh, fall out the ice or something like that. I don't know. Um, I actually have all the texts that uh, me and Rick ever sent to each other in a PDF file. And, you know, sometimes I go through it and I, I listen, I, I hear, I, I read the, um, the text and it's just crazy to me how easily he was able to come up with the next lie. I mean, it was, you know, I'm on the phone with him, let's say, and I'm confronting him about something and it doesn't even take him a second, but he has some, the next lie ready to go. And I mean, I don't know how how he did that. He's, he's uh, probably very practiced, but it was, you know, it was very uh, well done. Anyway, so, um, you know, this is happening again, and we're now about a month and a half of unpaid rent. Uh, kind of see where this is going. And so I contact the real estate attorney again, saying that, look, uh, this guy is doing this again. Uh, maybe we move towards something a little bit more serious, um, potentially an eviction. I don't know. So uh, the real estate attorney starts his process and uh, gets a process server involved to serve the papers. And uh, they are initially served to Shenandoah. He knocks on the door, Shenandoah opens, and they are uh, served there. So that is the first time that I ever heard the Shenandoah name. Um, or the Dugo name, really. Uh, this whole time, I thought I had been renting to Jeff Klein. Now, who is this Shannon Dugo person living in my house? So I confronted who I thought was Jeff Klein about this, and uh, she pretty much said that. Uh, he, sorry, he pretty, he pretty much said that um, that is my sister. Uh, she stays at the house with me because uh, she takes care of my kids and all the school stuff that um, you know they have to do while I'm at work. So, okay. Um, the process server also finds that certain bills are uh, in uh, Rick Dugo's name, like the, the pool. Um, uh, and he, I, I confront him about this too, who I think I'm talking to, Jeff Klein. And he says that, yeah, Rick Dugo is her husband. Mm. So this is Rick Dugo uh, claiming that he's Jeff Klein, saying that Shannon Dugo, his sister, is staying with him and Rick Dugo is his brother-in-law, her husband, right? So, um, it is very confusing for me and being in California, I can't just drive up to the property and see anything. So I'm kind of like, you know, left in the dark. Um, and again, I don't know how did he, uh, figure out that this is the situation that's going to be, it's obviously advantageous for him to have a landlord that is not uh, local. Right, so I don't know if he did some research or it was just coincidence, but um, yeah, it was just, uh, that was the situation. So uh, we push forward and the, the, uh, the real estate attorney is really pushing for eviction. He's saying, you know, I've seen this a thousand times and um, you really need to get possession of the house again. And uh, what, what I'm starting to get a little bit scared about is that, you know, I, I, I don't know right now who is living in the house or who Jeff Klein is or who was kind of uh, getting away from me. 
So if Jeff Klein is inside the concrete business and he gets upset, I don't want him to go and damage the property, you know, pull a concrete truck in and stick, throw a bunch of concrete in the house. I'm, I'm kind of unsure what my next move is going to be. So I tell the uh, real estate attorney, you know, do some more research, but uh, let's, let's, let's move forward with the eviction uh, just to kind of put pressure on him and then we'll see. <clears throat> so uh, more pressure is applied and we need this, he thinks that we're not stopping and then three months of rent is paid immediately, just out of nowhere. You know, and again, this is kind of like very strange to me because, um, you know, I'm, I'm calling Jeff Klein or who I think is Jeff Klein almost, you know, every other day saying that like, look, you are behind on rent and I can't let you stay here. You're going to get evicted and I'm trying to put the pressure on and um, I'm getting all sorts of excuses. But then randomly one day uh, he just decides to pay. And again, it's always that, oh, look, I had cash flow issues and I had this and that at my office and my bank accounts were, didn't have the right funds and now I got it figured out and my assistant's going to take care of it. And it's like, you know, talking in circles and you can never really make sense of what is actually going on. So he pays the three months rent uh, and he pays the next month's rent as well. Um, I mean, this is like, you know, some $18,000 or $20,000 or something like that. Like, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a lot of money uh, to be coming in at once. So would you say, can I, I have one quick question for us. Would yeah. you say, is this in the 2017 time frame, or is this back in 2016? Because I think the listeners are going to want to know, how long did you actually rent this house out? Or how long was the lease yeah. on this house? So the lease was for uh, uh, two years that we signed, and the actual amount of time that Dugo stayed in the house was for about a year and three months. So this would be in probably mid-2016 all the way up to end of 2017. Great. Yeah. I don't. I can give you the exact dates, but uh, I, I can I can figure that out later. Yeah. Um, I, I'm almost positive he was living in that house still in the March April time frame of 2018. Um, all good. Keep on going. I love. I, I hate that this happened. I love how you're telling this story for us. Yeah. So. Okay. So. Um, you know, it's a pattern is starting to emerge where every time that we apply pressure, uh, he, you know, figures something out and he pays his rent. Um, but, you know, I can't fund, you know, months at a time of rent. I mean, you're talking about ten, twenty thousand $20,000. Um, and we have our own rent to pay. We have other issues going on in my family that I'm helping out with financially um, and it's just very, very tight. I mean, we, I, I remember that my, uh, my wife and I really, we were stuck in a kind of like a one bedroom apartment. We wanted to move. It was not a very good area. Um, and we, I just told her like, look, we're in a situation right now and we can't move. I can't, I don't even have enough money to take you out to like a nice dinner. And, you know, there's, there's a, 
I, I hate to put it like this, but there's like a male ego, um, and there's a uh, a requirement for a man to to be able to take care of his wife. And I really felt like I had like really screwed up, and I wasn't able to do that, take care of that responsibility of mine. Um, and it, it was the, honestly the worst feeling in the world. I mean, aside from all the money that we had lost and. Um, you know the stress that we were going through. I just I would look at her face and I'd like remember telling her that yeah we can't go out right now. We can't do this. We have to really tighten our belts until we get out of this situation. And then you know, I'd go to work the next day and I'd hear my colleagues at at the office saying that oh you know we went on this trip and we did uh, this house upgrade and all sorts of stuff. And I'm I'm just thinking that like, dude I I really just like to take my wife out to dinner. Yeah, that's it's not that much to ask. Um, right. Anyway, so um, you know, after he's paid the uh, after he's paid the second time around, you know, um, he always kind of pays like the back rent, but never enough to kind of fully come to back to zero. You know, it's always like a little bit left to kind of string you on. Um, and so, you know, I've kind of had it at this point because um, the next month again, the the uh, the uh, excuses start, and they're getting more and more um, like uh, hard to believe. Um, one time, I remember he called and told me that his um, his aunt had passed away. And that they were really close, and uh, he was with the family, and you know he can't get to the bank right now to to pay the rent. And mind you, you know there are electronic methods to pay rent, so you can do it from your phone. You know this is not we're not living in like you know 1900s or something like that. You know you can, it takes literally like five seconds. But anyway, um, he he tells me that his his aunt had passed away. Um, Later, I found out that it was actually his mom who had passed away, uh, and when I found that out, like not at the time that he was telling me, but later, I was just so surprised to hear that that you know he's using his mom as an excuse um, in in his scams. I mean, like, do you have no shame? Like, I mean, this is that was that was something when I found that out. Um, Anyway, so uh, I told the, the real estate attorney that, um, look, this is a pattern, and um, I just want him out now. Let's just do the eviction. You know, forget about like just applying pressure. Let's just go through with it. I'm I'm really tired of all this nonsense. Um, you know, even if we lose some money along the way, I think the the stress is too much for me. Um, so the real estate attorney does his work, and uh, in addition, I'm kind of doing my own little investigation. This is before I met you, Adam, um, and I found this post by Russell James Fisk, who had who was talking about how Dugo had stolen about ten thousand dollars from him, uh, and I I went to uh, Facebook and I found Russell's profile and I started talking with him. Then I told him that. You know, this is what's going on, and um, you know, I, I saw your post. 
what do I do? So he he told me that uh, yeah, you know this guy is uh, really dangerous and um, he uses his physical stature to intimidate people. He 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 had heard that he had just moved into a new house in Vernon Hills. And I was sitting there thinking, what the hell, man? That's my house. And um, so he tells me that you know he's got connections with the mafia and that he's protected and that he can basically do anything and uh, the cops will come after him and anytime that anybody tries to come up and like you know um, uh, uh, confront him he threatens to hurt their family and um, you know get the, the mafia involved and stuff so I, I asked Brit, like, uh, sorry I asked uh, Russell that um, have you gone to the police about this I mean you know if we can kind of what you were doing uh, uh, as well um, but had way more success with um, I asked him like let's get together and uh, band all these victims that have been affected and let's go to the police because this guy is very very um, dangerous and he's he's obviously continuing to do this and has no intention of stopping but yeah Russell said that he did go to the authorities but the authorities didn't listen to him because he didn't have anything on paper. It was all verbal. And um, the statute of limitations had passed, so he couldn't really do anything. He was out of luck. But he told me to contact another victim that had recently been scammed. Uh, his name was Britt. And he gave me his phone number, and I, I called him the next day. And we talked kind of similar story uh, to a lot of what he has done with everybody else. This electronics deal that you have to come in. It's a one-time, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing, and you can make a lot of money. Um, I think Britt lost some $30,000 or something like that. I don't, I don't know for sure, but um, he was very upset, and he uh, was ready to go forward with the authorities. So I told him, okay, I'll call you next week, and, um, you know, we'll... we'll uh, discuss more so I, I called him next week and you know over the weekend I was talking with my attorney and we were pushing forward the eviction and whatnot so when I called Britt he told me that Russell had been murdered over the weekend and I I got so scared hearing that because I I mean Russell was telling me that anybody who confronts him and uh kind of goes against him, um, they get physically hurt, and then now this is what happened. So I called my wife, told her to lock all the doors, lock the windows, we're gonna stay home, maybe move in with my dad a little bit or something like that, I don't know what we're gonna do, but um, I was very scared because Dugo had my uh, address on the lease. So you know, if he was truly part of Mafia or anything like that, he could easily send somebody. Um, and you know, it turned out all to be fake and false, uh, but at the time it was very scary because I was literally told that you know, he goes after the people that come after him, and then that's what happened. Turned out to be completely unrelated, um, but yeah, that was very scary. That's remarkable. I, yeah. I completely forgot, uh, you know, and, and, and I completely forgot also for Oz that you had the opportunity to speak with Russell James Fisk. Um, I reached out to him um, as one of the first people um, in in the late May timeframe. Um, I didn't know that he had been murdered, um, 
And I just find that to be absolute. I mean, you brought like chills to my, uh, you know, up and down my spine and the hairs are raising on my arms. Um, that must have been a harrowing experience. Uh, I know it's completely unrelated. And I do want to make sure that people know um, Russell James Fisk murder was completely unrelated to anything um, with Ricky Dugo. Um, it happened to be a crazy person that had an episode and actually ended up killing multiple people on a day in Kansas City. Um, I do want to clarify that um, this was not a hit by Ricky Dugo. I do not want to blow up his um, his ego anymore <laughs> or scare people off the next time somebody runs into him. He's not in the mafia. So keep on going, Frost. Right, You're doing great. You. Yeah, exactly. It was completely and totally unrelated. Um, but, you know, being in California, I have no idea what's going on on the ground in Chicago. So we continue putting the pressure on Rick Dugo. Uh, by this time, I realized that Jeff Klein is not actually living in the house anymore. Uh, sorry, by this time, I've realized that Jeff Klein is not living in the house at all. Uh, it's Rick Dugo and his wife, Shannon Dugo, and their three children. Um, and the way that I figured that out is because we, we continued using the services of the real estate attorney, and they had a process server that was doing their investigation onto what's going on at that house. So they looked at who are the cars registered to in, uh, in the name. The names of the cars are registered to that are sitting outside in the, the driveway, who is getting mail delivered to their to the property, uh, what name is the utilities um, in. Um, you know, the pool uh, service also had a variety of different um, uh, vendors that would come out and service the pool. So what, what name was that in? Uh, and it all pointed to either Rick or Shannon Dugo. And um, then they also did a, a trace on Jeff Klein and found that he lives in Trenton, Illinois, and had never actually been in Vernon Hills to live in this house. So when I got this news, I was um, obviously very upset. I didn't know how this could have happened. Uh, you know, it could have been that Jeff Klein gave Rick Dugo the keys if they knew each other, or Rick Dugo, more likely Rick Dugo used Jeff Klein's information uh, to get access to this home and, and potentially, uh, you know, some identity theft or something like that. So I didn't know how this has happened, but I needed to get him out. And uh, we, you know, we pushed forward. The process server actually went down to Trenton, Illinois. The, the, the issue was that the lease was in Jeff Klein's name. And so in order to push forward, we, we needed to know uh, that we've served the right person. And, you know, the, the attorney said that the judge isn't going to uh, like it if it's served on uh, Rick Dugo because the Rick Dugo is not actually living inside. Uh, it doesn't have a lease in this property. So the process server went down to Trenton, Illinois and found Jeff Klein's house. And I think he squatted there until Jeff Klein had to come out and walk the dog. You know, Jeff Klein, for whatever reason, um, somehow knew what this was about. You know, Jeff, he, he didn't uh, want to come out or meet the process server, and he just kind of tried to wait it out. The process server just hung out for like a day until Jeff had to come out and uh, walk the dog. And then the uh, process server served him the papers, and he started cursing and saying, 
all sorts of things. Um, so I, I personally believe that Jeff knew uh, what was going on and, uh, and and I knew what this was, what this was about. The other part that leads me to believe that Jeff knew uh, is that shortly after Rip Dugo, posing as Jeff, messaged me uh, via SMS saying that they're trying to serve me in uh, Trenton. And you know, I told you I'll get this all squared away and all that sort of stuff. So somehow Jeff, after being served in Trenton, must have called Rick saying that, hey, what the hell is going on? I thought you would, I thought you would live there and pay the rent and all that stuff. Now I have papers served against me. So uh, anyway, so now we have something um, to go with and we're, we're moving forward with the eviction. I think it was May 29th, if my uh, memory served me correctly, that Dugo was actually evicted from our home. And up until that point, he tried every excuse in the like known to man to kind of get me to back off. Um, he even came up and told me that his uh, uncle, uh, by the name of John Grant, um, would buy the house and that he would live there and that they were working up the papers and drawing up the agreements and, and things like that uh and you know none of this was fine by me anymore because i was i had heard every single excuse up until until that point so we you know we pushed forward with the uh, eviction and i think at some point dugo realized that i'm not going to back down so he started talking in a slightly different tone saying that look we're going to get everything out and uh, we'll move and, and whatnot. So uh, I decided that I it, everything kind of got messed up because I wasn't there uh, when we rented it out in the first place. So for this eviction, I'm going to go to Chicago and I am going to make sure it gets done right. So I book a flight and I rent a car and I fly out. And you know, at this, t- at this point, uh, we... We're still not sure exactly what Dugo is capable of. You know, I, I have never met this person before in my life. And, uh, you know, when I tell this plan to my wife, she obviously throws a fit that, like, this is absolutely not something that you're going to do. <laughs> um, but I I can't, you know, you, 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 if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And uh, I just couldn't sit in California while all this was going down. So kind of without her blessings and permission and whatnot, I took that flight uh, and I went to Chicago for a week. And the whole time, Rick is telling me that, um, you know, we'll work something out, we'll work something out. But when I landed, uh, I I think I got a text from him saying that, look, eviction is tomorrow. Um, we're going to be out of the house and by midnight and you can have the um, property back. So, okay. Um, right, so when I received that text message, um, I, I was just finishing renting a, renting a car and uh, I thought that, you know, if he's leaving, there must be a moving truck outside that he was storing his belongings in and whatnot. So I could figure out where that moving truck was going. I could learn his new address and you know, kind of keep the police informed and whatnot, and then maybe also inform his new landlord that look, this is what's about to happen. You need to stop right now. 
So I drove to the house around 9 p.m. And when I got there, I found the driveway completely empty. The house was completely dark, and there was, there was like what seemed to be like a refrigerator near the garage, uh, but there was no movement in or around the house, and you know there was no moving truck. Uh, and I, I that that plan kind of went uh, in, in the water. So the thing though is that you know I saw that house in darkness, right? And I, I relived all of the plans that my wife and I had to make this a home, right? This was the first time that I seen the property since purchasing it you know, a year and a half ago. And kind of just brought, brought back all of the things that we were going through um, financially, emotionally, you know, the, this whole thing affected our marriage. Um, it, it was a very difficult time. So, and I drove, I, I, that, that plan didn't work out. And so I drove to the Airbnb that I had rented. And the next morning I met my realtors at their house, uh, sorry, at their office um, at about 10.30. The eviction was scheduled for noon. We finished our paperwork early, and so we decided to head over to the property and wait for the sheriff together. Um, and uh, at that time, I think I received a text from Dugo saying that the house was cleared out at midnight, and uh, we're not there anymore, and, you know, here's the house, the code to the house, and, and everything like that. And I thought that was very kind of him to give me the code to the house, um, you know, instead of having to break the door down and things like that with the sheriff. It's just interesting that he did that because, you know, it would have been kind also to just be a normal, regular dude and pay the rent <laughs> or not scam people out of millions of dollars, right? That's uh, is odd. I, I'll go into this a little bit later, but I, I just really struggle to understand the psyche of, like, his decisions and, like, what he's doing um so anyway when i get there uh with the realtors the refrigerator that i had seen the night before was gone and the house was deserted um i don't know how did they transport that refrigerator uh but you know there was no moving truck or it, it's just strange like how they're able to move without ever being seen uh, the, the process server had a similar situation that, you know, there are clearly footsteps in the snow. So people are going in and out, but he has never seen them uh, come in and out. So I, I don't know how did they do that. Anyway, so when I entered the house, I really expected it to find it in, in shambles. You know, we had just evicted him and his family and, um, you know, they were living there for the past year. Uh, I, I imagine that they were in a rush to gather all their belongings and, and move out. And maybe there might be a little bit of agitation towards me that, you know, I went through with it. Um, at the very least, you know, I expected that there would be, you know, some signs of wear and tear that would need to be fixed, you know. Um, and it was so strange to me that I actually found the house in pristine condition. Okay. I, I expected to find like maybe some holes in the wall or, you know, some signs of use. Aside from a little bit of the dust on the floor, it, it almost seems like the house hadn't been used at all. You know, I, I walked through the home, which was incredibly difficult. I, I, I was walking on the floor where my wife and I planned to raise our children. Um, and it just, it just puzzled me that over a year of use, 
and there's no signs of wear and tear or any use that naturally you, you naturally expect to be present. You know, you know, for example, like just where you keep your bed, right? There, the indentations of the foot of the bed in the carpet. You know that, or or your dresser or your nightstand or things like that, right? Like, I I expected those things to be there, and there there nothing. In the smallest room of the house, the the room that I expected to make my study, I I did find some of those indications of use, right? Like you know, scuffed up walls and and things like that. Um, pinholes in the in the walls where they may have hung pictures, um, and it, I, I came to the conclusion that you know the entire family of two adults and three small children were all living out of the smallest room possible, and they had left this box uh, of their belongings by accident in the home, and um, I actually learned a little bit about how they used to live. Uh, via that box, so in it were、uh, pictures of family together and Dugo and his friends throughout the years. There were cards of, from that Shannon had gifted Rick on the children's behalf on their birthday.、Um, you know, all these cards were fixed onto black construction paper, which then were attached to the walls via pushpins, and these.、Uh, Little frames, I guess, what what normal people would frame their pictures and family pictures and stuff like that in their house. These were these were done through pushpins, so that if they needed to, they could be out of that house in you know five ten minutes. It's just a box of all of their belongings. They didn't have any furniture. They didn't have any、um, anything really. They just they just were living in that one room. And they had the fridge downstairs for food, and that was incredible to me.、Uh, the cards also also talked about how wonderful Father Rick was to the children, and how they all loved him so much. They painted they painted him to be like this model father inside the home, and how that he always does so much for the kids and whatnot. You know, and, and as everybody knows, outside the home, he was anything but that. He was a predator. It's wild. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a parent now, and it just makes me sick to my stomach to think about how these children were living. You know, they were all in this tiny, tiny one bedroom. The house that we rented was five bedrooms, you know, four baths. It was quite spacious,、um, and this whole entire family was living in one of the bedrooms, the smallest one, with no furniture. I think at the time they had a six-month-old baby too, so you know it, it's just crazy to me what their living situation was. And do you feel、um, like that situation and and how they're in this humongous five thousand square foot house living in a tiny room? It's because that would be like a pick up and go type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they didn't want to spread out in the house because if it came to be that they have to leave, now there's more things that they need to collect. They they needed to be in a small space、um, and have their things very easy to collect so that they can just get out. Now it's interesting because they they would also for us they would have um, storage. Um, they, they'd have like storage. 
uh, facilities, um, storage lockers, I should say, um, all over uh, the northern suburbs. They had multiples that they actually did store furniture and antiques and a lot of the things that you would normally see in a house. Uh, they kept uh, off-site. Um, very interesting um, to gain a little bit of insight into how they lived um, and why they may have yeah. lived like that. Um, so you're about at the time, you, you had mentioned about May 29th, right? About the time that he was evicted. Um, that's also about... Well, I'm sorry? May 2018 was when he was evicted. Yeah, yeah, May of 2018. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. And in 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 late May of 2018 is is when the Ricky Dugo spoof page goes live on Facebook. Um, do you want to talk about how did you how did you find that? Yeah. So I think it was Britt who told me about this page and that uh, this. This page is set up, and you know you should email this uh, con by Rick at gmail com, and that's actually how I first met you. Uh, I, I emailed my story to con by Rick at, at gmail com, and you um, responded. We chatted on the phone a little bit uh, for a couple hours, actually, um, and exchanged stories. And that was the first time where I. I think I actually realized like what had happened. Um, you know, before I thought it is just maybe like a squatter or something like that. Uh, and I kind of had heard Russell's story and Britt's story, but I didn't know how expansive all this was. And then the first time that I talked to you and you told me that you have talked to like hundreds of victims, um, I. I didn't realize until then that what like what I was dealing with. I I can I can honestly say that you know my story may be a little different than most other people because I didn't actually interact with Rick Dugo directly. I never um, kind of made any one of these deals. He was a tenant, I guess, or like um, a squatter in my house. Um, but you know, in a way, uh, he used that house to find other victims and that makes me really sad you know there that if if it wasn't for that house if he didn't come there certain other people wouldn't have um maybe gotten scammed um yeah you bring up an excellent point so that house being as beautiful as it is in the greg's landing neighborhood you know which is a beautiful you know um, master plan community in Vernon Hills. Um, that house helps him to provide that image of burgeoning success. It affords him, right. you know, this ability to, you know, tell all of his neighbors that, look, I've arrived. I'm in this house with this pool. Um, you know, then he's uh, infiltrating the, um, you know, Friday night, Flamingo Friday night parties and the soirees and um, all of those things that happen to the neighbors in Greg's Landing, those are not, you know, they they, they may have been uh, because of where he was living, but it's not because you rented him a house. I think for you, it's got to be tough because you had no idea. 
I mean, he had covered his tracks so well from the application that was not in his name. You know, um, I've seen that application for us and I've told you this. I believe that application and subsequent applications filed about a year later um, where he's using, you know, Jeff Klein's information and fine finished concrete as a front to obtain all of these things um, illegitimately um, is all um, it's it, it's all connected because he's forging these documents over state lines, you know? So you have all yeah. sorts of fraud that's going on. Um, yeah. So I, I want to ask you this, you know, being that you're in California, being that you've never met Rick Dugo, how did all this make you feel? During the time that we were going through it, I really didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who was telling me the truth or what was true. Um, I I was very... Uh, the, the financial situation uh, that he caused me and my family was very bleak. I mean, um, there were times where we, we really were struggling and it's it's very painful for me to hear uh, to to relive that uh, even today. I think during that time, I I was I was just feeling a lot of confusion and uh, frustration that you know what is going on. I don't know who to believe, uh, and I don't I don't know how I got myself into this situation. I just want to uh, get out of it after certain things started becoming a little clearer, right? Like after you did your investigation and after um, I got a little better understanding of how exactly all this stuff happened, what kind of person uh, Rijugo is, I think I just felt very angry. I, I felt so angry that someone like this, someone could do this sort of stuff to other people he's taking from people who consider him their friend um he is violating their trust and he's just putting people through so much misery and you know i i still feel a lot of anger even today that why you know um and then i think i feel a little bit of anger that no one took any serious look at him uh, you know how was he able to do this for so many decades um you know we have laws for this we have um authorities for this and I, I'm, I'm sure that people before you also reported him but no one took really any serious look at it and it just allowed him to continue going and doing this as if he was you know untouchable it's correct and then uh, that? It's correct. Um, there were other yeah. people that had filed police reports. There have been um, more than three that have actually gone to the FBI, um, the, and the FBI took down uh, information. Um, but the FBI mm -hmm. simply said he wasn't a big enough fish. So um, I understand. Um, keep on going. That's, I, the, I, that's the part that I don't understand is that, you know, how can, what is a big fish then? Because Rick Dugo has 
stolen millions of dollars uh, from you know hundreds or maybe even thousands of people. So I don't understand then if that's not a big fish, then you know what is. Um, I mean, you know, look at the misery that he's caused, uh, the pain and suffering that he's inflicted on people. I mean, you 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 are toying with people's livelihoods, um, and and that's really not okay. And I think after all this stuff has has fired, I think today, after your investigation, after how you were able to get the authorities to listen. And actually do something about this. Now he's sitting behind bars. I think I feel a little bit of a sense of relief that he's not going to do this again to anyone for at least a couple years. Who knows what he's going to do once he gets out? But you know, at least for a couple years,、uh, he's not going to be able to do this to anybody else. And any time that you search his name now,、uh, all this information will be available. So someone hopefully. If he does try this again, will be better prepared and more、uh, informed about what kind of person this this guy is. Yeah, that's the hope for us for 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 all of this. That's the whole reason that I felt it necessary to embark on telling this story、um, and and having it out there forever、um, is to protect everyone. Just one more person from falling prey to Rick Dugo.、Um, Because that's that's really the long and short of it is so many entities and agencies did nothing with any of this, and they they let him go and it just kept on building up this image of、um, he's untouchable, he's unstoppable, and it it just emboldened him to keep on going,、um, and then the, that just propagates more and more crime and more and more theft. So、um, I'm with you. Uh, buddy, like you know, wholeheartedly. You know, society society can't function like that, right? Society is built on some level of trust. Who you do business with is built on some level of trust. And I think Dugo had somehow figured out how to take advantage of that trust, the, the genuine,、uh, innate trust in in most people. I would say, you know, even after all this, how I, I have definitely become a little jaded, but I still believe that. Ninety-nine point nine nine, like the vast majority percent of people, are very good. But that's what he takes advantage of. That he takes advantage of the fact that most people are actually really good. They would help a friend in need.、Um, they they are not going to take advantage of you. And he, but but he takes advantage of that. And that's what I think makes me、um, really angry. That. You know that's not okay.、Um, he has three kids. He has. I mean, I don't know how, what the, those kids are going through right now.、Um, what kind of example are you setting for for those kids? That's I, I think about that sometimes. And what what kind of kids are these going to turn? Are they going to turn out to be? That's a good point.、Um, I never really thought about that for us. Um, I I completely understand the frustration. I understand、um, how you lose a little of that faith, and 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 you feel like he's he's taken some goodness.、Um, 
Knowing he's behind bars, does that make you feel any better? Yes, I think, um, you know, I, I was following the case uh, and and the ruling. I think it was a fair ruling. Um, I think that justice was somewhat served um, as far as him spending time behind bars. I think it's sad that the um, other victims are probably never going to see any of this money ever again. And, you know, to put into perspective, um, I I lost maybe $35,000 or something like that in the whole Dugo fiasco, right? There was a lot, other, a lot of other money that we lost in via the Chicago house and stuff like that. But because of Rick Dugo specifically, it was about $35,000. And, you know, comparatively, honestly, that is nothing compared to some of the other victims that I've read about. And I think that is what makes me um, not, I, I still feel that, you know, justice was only partially done because, yeah, he may be sitting behind bars and he, you know, his name is um, forever connected with this sort of stuff online, but you have so many people who lost tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, this is their maybe life savings or kids' college funds or retirement money or whatever, right? Like, I think that that really, um, that's really unfortunate because, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a younger um, person and I have my full career ahead of me still. Uh, he targeted some people who are uh, the elderly. He targeted some people who are in retirement, who are coming up to some large financial purchases. You know, and, and, and some people weren't maybe able to pay their healthcare costs or whatever. And I mean, he just didn't have any um, shame in targeting anybody. Just anybody who had a dollar is, is a target. And, and that is just, I mean sociopathic for sure yeah it's absolutely sociopathic um and i think that that's really what different i mean it doesn't differentiate him than any other sociopath or you know con men but yeah i think for people that are not sociopaths and con men um for us it's hard to understand how how you can do something so evil to somebody else on purpose all premeditated and and have no and have no feeling and have no shame and and not be sorry, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. This wasn't an accident, right? No. You, no, this you is did this, and then you doubled down and tripled down on it. For sure, and and and, and went and went back for more because it was never enough. So like he like he's he's he strings you along by not paying rent and then he he pays some of the rears then he doesn't pay rent and then he pays a little bit more he gives you this hope right that maybe he's not so shitty maybe he's not such an asshole but then it happens right um, you know and I think one thing that I, I I wanted to mention is that you know um, it. It might sound like, uh, you know, it's not really a big deal. Like rent is, you know, you're not hurting anybody and stuff. But honestly, we had our own um, bills and stuff like that to pay. Really, it wasn't like, you know, uh, as if he's not paying rent. So it doesn't doesn't mean anything. We really relied on that um, 
you know, on that money because we we were we had our own rent to pay and we couldn't afford to pay the mortgage of a house that we're not even living in. You know, that was we 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 loved the house and so we wanted to move there eventually, but we were not in a financial position to just, you know, pay the mortgage for two years until we were ready to move. Um, I mean, maybe there are people like that, but uh, we, we were really struggling. No, it's, uh, it's terrible. Um, and, you know, and, 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 you know and, and, and to hear like that, you know, I know that you're a successful guy, um, but to hear like that you had such sacrifices on the other end, those are those like soft costs that people don't think about. You know, when I was talking to Detective Bill, uh, we did an interview early on uh, in this process, and, 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 and those are some of the things that he had mentioned that I hadn't thought about, was, you know what, for you, it's like $35,000 in rent, but then what did that mean on the other end? You're saying that in San Francisco, you're living in a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment because you can't get out, you, you can't even take your wife out to dinner. You know, so you have all of these things that are happening that are direct results of the pain and suffering that Ricky Dugo is putting you through, but you don't even know he's putting you through it because you don't know who the guy is. You know, like, it's such a mind fuck, you know? So, um, really, really... I to also mention, um, you know, during this whole time, I was, once I figured out all this had transpired, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, this, is, this just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like, why do all this just go get a job you know it's so much simpler to just you know do your nine to five get your paycheck and you know enjoy life in the evening and my friend looked at me very sternly and he said that dude you are looking at this completely incorrectly he does have a job this is his job and i think that really opened my eyes that like oh my god you know, that I, I was so shocked to hear that, that like someone could choose this lifestyle. I mean, wouldn't it, doesn't it make, doesn't that, don't, don't you think that that would, it would just be so much easier just to go get like some corporate job or whatever and, you know, do, do well, build your career. That's, it, it, that's like a, a tried and true method. But so it's interesting. Not. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and everybody says this for us. Everybody says if the guy just would have gotten, a salesman job, you know, I'm a salesman. I'm really good at what I do. This guy would have run circles around me, right? And and, and he could have done something, you know, like um, a salesman. He, I, I just think that he would have been insanely good in the real world in corporate America. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know where did he take a wrong turn somewhere within, like in his teenage years or something like that, that, you know, something, some wire in his brain got incorrectly wired or something like that but I you know I, I really do think that he would have been an excellent um, you know, salesman or or even someone who is kind of like beyond that funnel a little bit and like helping people to integrate the technology after the sale, the sale is completely closed yeah um, it's, it's funny to me because you know like where you apply your mind um is is uh is so interesting one thing i actually forgot to mention you know um in that box that he uh left at my house there were um like rosaries and church 
paraphernalia. So he was quite religious, uh, and he would pray to um, the church and like all that stuff. I think it was St. Joseph's Church that he was um, uh, involved with. And one thing interesting that I found was like donation slips to the church. So he was potentially donating money to the church in trying to get uh, good favor with them. So I'll exercise some caution here because that's the first time I've heard of that. Um, I do know that he went to church in the past to specifically target other potential victims. Um, It was a great place for him where he could use the gospel and Jesus Christ to uh, make new friends and to um, make it a little bit easier for him uh, to continue on in his con man ways. I'm not denying that he didn't um, donate money. I mean, you see, this this is exactly what I'm talking about though, right? Like even after all this, I, I still can't predict or understand his moves, you know? Now that you said that, that makes sense. Um, but I just, it's funny to me, like, you know, even after all this, after all the interactions that I've had with him, I still haven't learned. You haven't figured him out because he's a complete chameleon. And that's something that's, um, it, it's happened to all of us, is he morphs into anything and everything he has to be in a moment's notice. The guy can literally, um, you know, spin on a dime, and, and 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 in a in a heartbeat, he can mention or, or use his words to get you to believe anything because he's that quick on his feet. A lot of victims and a lot of people that I talk to that know Ricky Dugo, they think like he's like like dumber than a box of rocks, and I'm like, there is no way that he's not more intelligent than most because he is you know he's well versed he's well studied um he has an answer for everything because he's studied a script uh he's practiced this he's he's absolutely done this before um and then he knows he he knows trigger words and i think that he does do his due diligence on people maybe not like so much with you knowing that you are out of town not living there but a lot of victims he specifically targeted he didn't go after people that didn't have a lot of money he really went after people that were starting to become successful or those people that were successful because i think he always wanted to give off that facade and that image you know that that that's what he wanted to be, but he wanted to do it where he didn't have to work at it for anything other than conning and scamming. Like that was his job, like you said. So um, it's really, it's wild, I think, for most of us. Um, and I know that it's wild for you. Um, I think your story is super interesting. I love that you actually have in your possession this box of Ricky Dugo artifacts. Um, and at some point, I do want to create this website. I just have not had the time where we post up some of those pictures. Um, yeah. Or, you know, maybe if this thing actually kicks off and gets really popular, we yeah, figure out yeah. a way to auction these things off. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, you were Get given... money back to some victims, maybe. Yeah. Um, that would be um, absolutely the goal. 
Um, you know, Faraz, I love the conversation. You know, is there anything else that you wanna you wanna say while you have this platform? Is there anything that uh, comes to mind? Um, this would be your time. Um, you know, I think whatever everybody has been through has obviously been harrowing and very difficult, but hopefully everybody has come out on the other end, landing on their two feet and a little better versions of themselves. Um, you know, it's great to see that justice was somewhat served by him being behind bars. Hopefully uh, everybody can uh, remember this throughout the rest of their lives and hopefully never have anything like this happen to them again. And I hope that by the authorities taking care of Hugo, other people who thought that, you know, maybe I could do this thing twice. Thank you so much for us. Thank you for continuing to listen in. You just heard from Faraz and how the financial strain that Ricky Dugo put him through created immense amounts of stress for him and his wife. Faraz had no idea that the Dugos were living in his house as unknown occupants. As Dugo keeps the scam going by impersonating Jeff Klein on text and on phone calls. A story that changed Faraz, where after the Dugo swindled him for over $34,000, he decided to give up on his dream, and he sells the house before ever moving to that beautiful Greg's Landing neighborhood. On the next episode of To Catch a Con Man in the Victim's Voices, we will meet a young woman who met Ricky Dugo at Export Fitness, and over the span of a few months, a friendship was formed. Rick is now working out in her group, and over time, she admits to him that she is struggling financially. And here comes Dugo, telling her that he can be her hero and help her to build her credit. <laughs>